Hello and good evening and welcome to episode 5 of the EVs and Beyond live kind of evening podcasty, recording-y, whatever we want to call it these days, all those things. It's the show with the terrible news sting, uh, but uh, look, it's a bit of fun and I'm really proud of the community that seems to be building around the show. I'm not expecting huge numbers tonight. A, there's no BYD, to, really much BYD coverage, which just seems to be dragging people in. Uh, and uh, also, I didn't do a huge amount of promotion. I've been really busy working on something pretty cool, uh, as usual. Um, but uh, yeah, look, this thing's just going to grow. And uh, we'll have some really big interviews coming up through this channel. Now, don't forget uh, housekeeping. Uh, you can comment as much as you want in the comments. And uh, Brian Flanagan, evening. Uh, and uh, David, uh, evening to you as well. Uh, you can watch this on Facebook or YouTube. I suggest watching on YouTube. I think you get better quality and a better overall experience. But Facebook is where the community is, so we uh, don't mind if you stick there as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, ask lots of questions. Now, tonight, I am. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about road trips. So I want you guys to throw your best road trip stories, best road trip questions, best road trip tips in regards to electric vehicles. In those comments so that we can read them out at the end. Hi Lee. Uh, I hope you liked my uh, answer in the comments last week about free charging Lee. I think you are, were asking about that. One of my little pet issues. Uh, are you on the desert road tonight Mark or are you uh, somewhere actually with a roof over your head? Um, now let's uh, introduce our guests. Uh, one of them is very familiar to, the, to you all. He has been on the show before well-known in the EV community, welcome uh, Gavin Shubridge, also known as Kiwi EVs Advent Kiwi EV Adventures. Welcome, Gavin. How are you doing? Much worse. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you having Are you having a good day? They're keeping you working hard over there at Ecotricity, pumping oh, out those yes. videos. Yes, another video is released today. Working on the next one now. It's all go. What was the one out today? That was the Peugeot E208. So I'm only about two years oh. behind everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting little car, that one. It's 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 really fun to drive, um, but um, I think it's a particular type of buyer that would like that one. Somebody really, really, really wants a small French hatchback, basically. Yeah, I think it's the the typical buyer would be someone in the city. I think someone who's getting to the age where if they fall in the shower, it's going to be bad. <laughs> Though I, I look, it's so the issue I guess is this, whether that cars like that is there's just so much competition in that space. There's so many of that kind of fifty to sixty thousand. What I think they bumped the price. I think it's about sixty two thousand now. Or has it gone up or down again? Or no, after after the rebates, fifty five thousand three hundred and something. Um, yeah, so it's sixty three grand <clears throat> before oh, the rebate. Yeah, yeah. So the question is, would you go with that or a BYD eight hundred three? Oh, I don't the, know, because I still haven't driven the Addo 3. I'm so, I was supposed to pick one up on Friday, finally, because I am you know miles behind every other car reviewer. However, I got an email today from BYD saying someone's crashed it. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's got some, that's not a big crash. It's just some broken things. So they've got to fix that. So it's going to be pushed back another week. I'm going to have to send a text to, uh, to uh, our friend Warren at BYD to find out about that. If that sounds like great BYD, uh, BYD oh, it, it, goss. It's, so. it's only some broken plastic bits. Apparently, it's all going to be fixed up. So uh, it's not it's not going to be a long delay. It just means it gets pushed back a week. So I said, that, you know, these things happen. So so be it. So, someone in the in the comments there was but going, is there going to be a cheap one of the damaged vehicle auctions? Is yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harvest the organs out of that one. 
<laughs> right. Now, our uh, second guest for today is someone not really from the EV world, but he is very experienced in the automotive industry. Graham McDonald uh, is the former president of VIA, which is the organization that represents all the various used car importers around the country. Uh, he's also been a long-time dealer himself. He's, uh, he's uh, owned a lot of very petrol-heavy cars, but uh, he's been a long-time close buddy of mine, and I've been trying to convert him a little bit, and we've done a few EV road trips over the last year. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm bringing into the room Graham McDonald. Thanks for joining us, Graham. Evening, everyone. Well, now, I'm not tell quite us the EV devotee just yet, but I'm uh, I'm sort of just edging my way gently over the edge every now and then. So <laughs> I call myself a, a, a healthy sceptic, but I'm, I'm being pushed in the right direction by uh, Mr. Edwards here. Now, tell us about your T-shirt and tell us about what's behind you, because I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're deliberately wearing that and you're deliberately sitting in front of that pile of boxes. Oh, what's a bit of branding, right? So I'm actually a, a Hot Wheels collector of some note within New Zealand. I've got about 14,000 odd Hot Wheels. And what you see behind us is part of the collection. Now, there's a point to this because I received just a couple of days ago within the, a very special Hot Wheels that cost me about $110, but it's the latest Tesla Roadster. And if you can see that, I don't know, but there's the, the Tesla Roadster has now been immortalized in Hot Wheels form. And I just picked cool. it up um, in from the States, direct from the States. And so, uh, the, funny enough, a, a little segue story, which we'll, we'll start this out. So the Hot Wheels and Matchbox community through Mattel is obviously dominated by petrol head heavy vehicles. You know, small boys and girls push around cars that make noise. They don't push around things that go, hmm. However, Hot Wheels have come to the party and there are more and more EV-centric castings turning up in the Hot Wheels line. In fact, this year, they've started a specific line called the Hot Wheels Green Team. And so they are showcasing, obviously, a lot of stuff from Tesla. But, for example, the new Lucid Air made an appearance a couple of months ago. That's the first casting of that. Um, there's a Rivian just turned up. And we're going to see, I think, more and more of this coming through. Such an influential brand like Hot Wheels. It's the, it's the biggest, most profitable toy in the world. And it has a lot of influence for small boys and girls aged sort of three, four upwards. And I think you'll see this sort of stuff becomes mainstream. And it also encourages probably people to accept these as a mainstream car, where there is their mums and dads sitting in the background and going, ah, oh, son, it hasn't got an engine. Um, I think we're starting to see a real turning point in the toy community as well. There we go. My fun fact to start the night off. <laughs> I've certainly had a couple <laughs> of electric, of a couple of Tesla Hot Wheels and that around the place, and they usually stay nice for about, a day before my daughter gets hold of them and tears them open. But uh, any uh, electric Hot Wheels in your collection, Gav? Uh, no, only the uh, the car itself, which is about the same size as a Hot Wheels car, the Allegro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, if uh, again, any of the comments for you, if you can't tell us about your road trips uh, out there, then uh, tell us about what hot electric Hot Wheels you've got or any electric vehicle toys you may have had. I've seen a few things like... Cybertruck remote control cars floating around at the moment and uh, various things. But yeah, don't forget to mention that stuff in the comments. We'll put it up. Now, just so people can can relax, we we, we have a diagnosis for the damaged BYD from Warren at uh, BYD. Just a dent in the hatch, needs a respray. Yes. Oh, that's not very dramatic. Could you could you lie, Warren? Every dealer <laughs> says that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> now, 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 I will I'll be very generous here. And if, if that car is going to take a wee while, right, Warren, you can let me know. 
I can actually spare the one that I have for a few days next week. If that helps out the situation, just let me know. Okay. Let me know. Right. right. Anyway, Warren's going thumbs up. (laughs) So uh, let's uh, get on with the news and we know you've all been waiting for it. Here's the terrible sting. The finest Canva could produce. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Anyway, anyway. You need to add the Wilhelm scream in there. <laughs> so let us start with the news of the week. And actually, there hasn't been a lot. And I think it's because we had a public holiday and a few other things. And and also, kind of the, the big news last week, we tacked in at the last minute into the last stream. Uh, things like the uh, pricing for the Volkswagens. I'm still amazed they squeezed an ID4 under uh, $80,000. I think if you want one, I think you've got about three weeks to order it before they go back above the $80,000. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a um, that's a pretty cool pricing on that vehicle. But this week's news, and I am not going to have an issue bringing up the slideshow this time. I got it. I, I worked out what I was doing wrong. Boom! It works. Okay. So, for electric vans, for um, Mercedes electric vans for New Zealand, Mercedes-Benz van has opened the order, do- order books for the eVito panel van, eVito Tura, eSprinter, and EQV 7-seater. They are priced from, and hold on something tight, uh, $101,487, $127,030, $130,900 and $166,350 respectively. Uh, that's at the uh, manufacturing RP, including GST, uh, but not on-road costs. I don't know why we're so, quite so specific with the notes there. Uh, with all mo- four models available in limited quantities. Uh, now, these are interesting vehicles, I think, in that they're kind of in two separate areas. You've got the e-Sprinter, which has a relatively small battery. I don't think it's got a range that barely cracks 100 that van and it's very much aimed at the last mile the vito on the other hand actually has slightly bigger battery options particularly with the uh e eqv which has about an 18 i don't remember from me 80 90 uh, kilowatt battery um and i'm actually getting that vehicle to test i'm sure gavin you'll be sitting there taking notes and firing an email off to mercedes as we speak that e vito in about two weeks time i'm really not the Evito, the EQV. I'm really looking forward to that. Eight seats, leather, luxury, with a electric drivetrain. And we get so many people always asking, I need to take more than uh, more than just three people with me, four people with me. What can I buy? There it is. If you've got $166,000. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think it's I think it's interesting. I mean, I guess what's your other option in that space at the moment? You could get a seven seat Tesla Model Y. Not that you could actually get one delivered because I think they're pretty much not delivering the updated one to New Zealand at this point. Um, but I think you're looking at probably quarter of a million dollars. So maybe the EQV is not terrible value. Not uh, not for you, uh, Mister Singleman, Gav. No, no, I'd have to I could load up all my inflatable girlfriends in there. Um, except Susie, she's got a puncture, but. Yeah, there's no real middle ground, is there? You've either got that, or I mean, you've got the LDV vans, but they don't have seats. 
Well, they keep mm. talking about bringing models with seats. We're supposed to have ones before the end of the year with seats. But... I, I think I think they have one with seats now, but it says in a commercial, the big E Eleven Nine commercial bus. I think they've got some of those either being but done now so, what, or not really now. What are they going for? Uh, I don't. I I believe you E Eleven Nine with seats is still under a hundred hundred thousand dollars. But that's a big, as I said, that's a big like eleven twelve seater commercial bus. Right. There's nothing okay. in that kind of passenger space except, except you go for you could get a. A, uh, a Nissan ENV two hundred in the kind of seven seat passenger thing, but you max out at forty kilowatt hour battery there, and yeah, yeah. So yes, you've got that or that in the LDV. There's, there's, gosh, yeah. There's, there's nothing middle ground either. You, you've got used Japanese import vans or hundred and sixty thousand dollar vans. I was going to say, am I missing something here, guys? One hundred and sixty six thousand um, dollars. Yeah, what have I missed? Well, this is for you the this is for the like the, <laughs> that's that's for the S class of vans, Graham. We're talking we're talking you know leather armchairs throughout and all the various luxury bits. And... A luxury van though, it is kind of like it's an oxymoron, like friendly fire or soft porn. Hmm. Luxury vans are luxury vans are big business. And 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 Graham, I mean, you think of what people pay here for a freshly landed twenty twenty two Alphard through the the parallel import market. Well, you can't you can't buy them. That's probably a good point, yeah. actually. But you'd yeah. probably rather. I, I suspect you'd still save yourself um, multiples of many tens of thousand dollars for a freshly landed Alphard or a Velfire, um, as opposed to one hundred and sixty six thousand dollars for the Mercedes Benz. Mm-hmm. Call me the skeptic uh, here. I suspect that van is going to be very very popular with the the hotel set. Um, I think there'll be some luxury hotels around Auckland that'll be quietly going and ordering one of those to replace their existing veto. They can fit their various, you know, climate change requirements, and it's a nice uh, impression to give their premium guests when they're being picked up from the airport. And those are uh, places that are used to spending big money on, you know, premium vehicles for their pickups. Um, I think that I think that will actually have a market, and I will think I do think there will be private buyers who are currently shelling out. You know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a BMW X5 to haul the family around in. That will go and uh, and slap down money on one of those. The the other options are like I think the I think the e veto is going to be a bit more of a struggle of a sell. I believe NZ Post has put their, put their name on some of them. Um, the uh, but I think a few of those will move. But I think it's going to be corporates that buy them. I can't imagine your average trading in the streets going to go and pick up a e veto for uh, you know one hundred and thirty thousand um, uh, dollars. No, it was one hundred and one. Uh, no, that's the Tourer. So you can't. Oh, hang on. So you can get the Evito Tourer, which is the less glamorous version with the uh, with the eight seats for one hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars. That's getting uh, and better. Then the, that's I'm getting better already. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the <laughs> uh, and the but the panel van's one hundred one thousand dollars. But then I guess that's ten fifteen thousand dollars more than what you were uh, paying for the. Um, uh, for the uh, the transit plug-in hybrid, it's full electric. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see. This is a space which is going to get a lot busier soon. We've got uh, options coming from Peugeot and potentially Citroen being a spin-off. Uh, we might see similar things come through from Vauxhall, basically the same vans. Ford have just really, uh, properly revealed in the last week their new generation uh, Transit Custom, which is coming next year with an electric uh, option. I think that's going to be pretty cool. The Transit, the full-size Transit Electric is landing here very soon as well vans are getting are going to be interesting and i think corporates will pay for them i think 
you know, not many are going to them, them are going to shake user sh- choosers tradies out of their utes. But I think the corporates will definitely uh, start ticking up some of these big ticket options just to get them on the road. I still think a lot of the uh, um, LDV uh, Edel of a nine, uh, which we'll talk about later. Uh, that is a good van. It's got plenty of options, and you know, they've got sizes which aren't quite as good as that. But get down there. The issue being is that. There's some complaints. I know we've been, we've been dealing with a story, researching a story about one of the fleet operators complaining that it doesn't have a safety rating, but then no van of that size really normally has a safety rating. So who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, look, and, and let's think back to the good old Mitsubishi L300 back in those days. It didn't have a safety rating either, and they still sold yeah. like hotcake. So, <laughs> you know, take your pick as to what things are most important to you, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. Now, uh, in the comments, Jonathan Goodall has, uh, has said, I'm waiting for the Nissan ENV350. Is there an ENV350? And I'm quickly Googling that. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Short answer, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Brian, that's the wrong one. Uh, Brian uh, Flanagan says, what about the electric combi? Yes, that's coming next year as well. And seeing what they did with the ID full prices, I'm wondering if Volkswagen might get relatively sharp on that vehicle. It is significantly smaller than any of the stuff we're talking about here. The ID Buzz is not a big vehicle, um, though there will be eventually an eight-seater coming. I think the first round is a short wheelbase five-seater, but they aren't, they aren't huge. Uh, any word on what the ID Buzz prices will be in New Zealand? Well, I would have guessed before, but I think uh, Volkswagen keeps uh, kind of surprising me a little bit in regards to uh, the uh, what they're able to do with those pricing. So it's, who knows? I, do you think it's unlikely? Do you think it's likely to be under the clean car rebate threshold? Oh, I fear not, not a chance. Not a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I would suggest you'll see the cargo version for maybe in the ni- high nineties. The blinged out passion versions, I think you're going to get, I don't think they'll be as expensive as that EQV, but they'll certainly be up there. Um, so yeah, uh, interesting one there, but electric vans, they are coming. And again, we'll talk about them later. Now on to our next story, and uh, Warren will be happily watching this. BYD hitting its straps. Extraordinary demand to send BYD Edo 3 deliveries reach 500 units in three months. Maybe Warren can give us a rolling live update. Uh, BYD New Zealand has hit a major milestone confirming 500 customer registrations with more, many more pre-sales to fill this month as shipments continue to arrive. One of the fastest selling EV brands here and overseas, BYD had a record August globally with 174,915 new energy vehicles, which I guess includes PHEVs and so forth. Uh, including 18,625 sales of the 803, up 282% on August 20, 2021. Uh, on top of this, BYD has confirmed to the struck a deal with Europe Car NZ with the rental firm announcing exclusive rights to the electric BYD 803 as the only airport rental car provider in New Zealand uh, to offer the vehicle. The, uh, the rental car thing is interesting because I... Rental cars is such a great way for people to try a vehicle and also to get some of the all-important uh, used uh, used market. Um, hey, may- maybe you could go and rent one, Gav. I would possibly like to do that. I already did that with Go Rentals. <laughs> took one of their cars from Wellington to Auckland. That was uh, that was interesting. Yeah. Interesting journey. I'm more meant to. Well, you're paying on. I mean, that, that corporate rental market for the day out of the airport or a couple of days or so is is right pluckings for an EV. You're not talking Absolutely. about tourists that are jaunting out of the airport heading off around the East Cape. 
Um, perfect, absolutely perfect. And, and Europe Car, I'd argue, probably do have a lot of that business market cornered anyway. So it's an ideal, it's an ideal match. <laughs> we yeah, were, we were waiting times. We, we, we were, we're Europe Car uh, corporate customers, and I was actually about to switch from uh, Europe Car to Avis because they'd stopped offering EVs. They used to have some uh, some Konas or some Ionics floating around, but they just seemed to disappear. I guess we know why now, and uh, yeah, great to see this on the market. I think one of the big things with the rental cars, and we see it a lot on the Facebook groups and so forth, is once you've driven an electric vehicle for a while, uh, you kind of don't necessarily want to step back, and going on holiday and having to drive something that you don't really like driving is not, you know, I always kind of would go on holiday and upgrade my car, not, to, not to, uh, yeah. go in a different direction. Yeah. Is there anything more soul-destroying than the final fill-up before you have to hand it back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, uh, I've rented a few EVs now, and that is the best thing is you can just drive it straight back, and you don't have to put gas in it. Is that not appealing, Graham? Well, I was going to say, Mister Edwards, I might recall you and I returning a certain uh, Chevrolet Camaro six point two liter SS two to the airport of Los Angeles a few years ago. Um, yeah, I think we were reasonably happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> that was the land of cheap gas, though, right? My young well, and foolish days. Gas at this stage, but oh. We didn't care. <laughs> no. When in Rome, when in Rome. Yeah, it was running on a lot of ethanol. We, 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 of we ethanol. don't mention that, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, look, and in the notes, the question is, is there a reason for the BYD's popularity beyond it being the latest new thing? And I think, I think there is definitely more to it. I mean, this is just a great all-round car and it seems to be filling so many people's needs it's got that little bit more space than the mg that little bit more range it's a bit cheaper than the kona and so on and so forth it just meets so many needs and people are driving it and liking it yeah i, I look forward the to one at the uh the top so, supercharger not supercharger uh, sorry so, uh, sorry. rapid charger sorry, Gav, sorry to say, after rebate what's your drive away in an atto an atto threat moment so approximate drive away after rebate Fill me about uh, about fifty grand for the high, for the extended yeah. range. So so there's there's the key to it. I mean, for for fifty thousand dollars outlay for a brand new vehicle, um, I'd argue if it wasn't a EV, if it was either a PHEV or a regular petrol vehicle, I'd still say the fifty grand isn't too bad these days. Add in the mm -hmm. fact that it's an EV, and you can see why it's selling like you know fast bananas. Um, mm -hmm. It's actually really good value. It's probably the first EV that I've seen that meets all the different markers that would say make it a great vehicle for the market to latch onto. And with no offense to EMG, Richard, but it's a slightly smaller vehicle. This is the yeah. everyday family SUV, but I think the market's been waiting for it for a while. And new entrant to the market, be damned, people are picking up on it. Yeah, yeah. I think the fact that BYD's got such a reputation overseas is, uh, is pretty important as well. I think that's not a reputation, but it's been around a long time. It's not like it's, you know, suddenly some new brand pops up from the jungles of somewhere it's uh, it's got a little bit more of a history behind that get uh, gab you're saying you managed to sit in one to you what were your thoughts yeah i was uh charging a, a bmw um was it, gosh it was yesterday God, a long day that was and uh i sat there at the top or super um rapid hyper rapid charging God, get it together <laughs> and uh finally got the chance to sit in one touch the dashboard the the owner that was there was enthusiastically showing me all the features and things and at first impression i got was that it's all right Seems all right to me. Looks, you know, fairly solidly built. I'm, you know, got my curiosity peaked anyway. 
And I like the um the 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 textured dashboard that I was what was supposed to be sinew or muscle or something, but it came across like the underbelly of a of a blue whale. And of course, the guitar strings on the on the the, the door. That's just that's just I like weird stuff like that. The, the, the display that turns you know ninety degrees, weird stuff like that really, really tickles my odd gland. That's cool. <laughs> tickles your See, as a motor vehicle trader the very things you're just mentioning are the things that i look at and say well okay four years down the track is it all going to break is all that cool stuff going to be the stuff that actually breaks or is hard to get or hard to replace so Sorry that. that's the stuff i'm looking at um yeah. as a motor vehicle trader we sort of look a bit further downstream we say well okay is all the nice to have stuff the cool little things is that going to be the achilles heel of the car possibly Possibly. Oh, and that's, uh, yeah, it, it's a hard one. Like things like the spinning screen, it's great. Will that survive? I don't know. I think one of the interesting things about, about the Chinese cars popping up has been, and this I think maybe helps the trade when we get further down the track, is how easy it is to get stuff out of China for them. And I'm not suggesting anyone goes and buys their new parts from their, uh, their BYD uh, uh, through AliExpress, but you sure as heck can buy some interesting accessories and parts too. Uh, and maybe in that. that's a perfectly logical yeah, and, point. And maybe in ten years' time, when this thing is out of warranty and then is starting to have a bit of some issues, then maybe the you might shift to a different model where you start ordering your parts overnight parts from China. Used to be overnight parts from Japan, now overnight parts from China. Mm. Um, mm. Interestingly, I you would uh, uh, Graham is uh, um, uh, familiar with my old Van Fritz, a uh, a German. Yes. <laughs> a german a, a, a german van built in korea that there was then eventually built in china and uh parts are very hard to get in new zealand for it but what i discovered and not that I actually did much but i mostly imported them from australia though which you was getting them from china i suspect uh was you could jump on aliexpress and buy pretty much any part you wanted for it with relatively short delivery times so who knows but i look atico is a great distributor and they're going to be around for a very long time and i don't think parts are going to be an issue if it's being done by atico to mm. be honest mm. i'd be more worried about some of the independent stuff but atico i'm pretty happy with um yeah so uh that's it now let's have a quick run through some of the comments because we're a bit behind on uh, on them uh lee says lol susie's puncture <laughs> she'll be fine <laughs> Kian Khan says, hey Gavin, the BYD Edo 3, which was the next, it was meant to be mine. No longer going to take delivery of it now unless we can get another one before the end of the year. Oh, sorry to hear that. Ooh, uh, Stephen Baxter says, put my deposit down for hashtag Team Red today. Yes, because the red vehicles are available for order now. Well, I think there is available, but they're getting closer. Um, get a Kona book with Europe car. It's been changed to a BYD. $103 a day, that's not bad. When you don't pay for gas, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, uh, Lee said, my wife asked this evening why we didn't entertain the MG. The MG is not a bad car, and it's pretty darn good value. And I actually think if you're a little more nervous about going into an EV or going into new technology, it's it's actually not a bad choice. It's a far simpler vehicle. Uh, Warren says, that's why it's got a six-year warranty. Um Brian says, photos of the Addo's interior turned me right off, but I decided to go for a test on the one anyway. Once I sat in it, the interior looked okay, and now it looks great. Um, CJ King, Hot Wheels broke. Hot Wheels break. I'm not sure. Maybe you'll need to explain that one, CJ. Uh, and uh, Brian <laughs> well, says, Well, I am broke Hot Wheels, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> the guitar strings are very practical. Drink bottles are held snug so the bottle doesn't buzz or rattle. The only problem but with can those you strings, play any music on them, you know? 
Well, yeah, they got a bit of a tone to them. The issue with the strings is when you're trying to get your daughter into daycare at, at like 10 past 9 in the morning, you need to get to work. And she insists on standing there out next to her car seat playing with the strings before going inside. Um, yes, well, anyway. I'll bet the designers didn't think of that. Mm, yes, yes. Uh, now, um, Brian, joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go back to this this thing up here. Remove Brian from there. Uh, and go on to the next side. Now, Uber. Uh, Uber is to phase out internal combustion cars by 2030. Hashtag not in New Zealand. Uh, the CEO of leading rideshare company Uber has confirmed that the firm plans to bar its drivers from operating on the app with internal combustion engine vehicles by 2030 in the US. The ice ban will cover the United States, China and Europe with Uber drivers in New Zealand and Australia expect to be given a longer reprieve. Um, now, we actually discussed this on another live stream we do, Graham, so I don't remember where we are on this one. Um, well, you know my thinking. Now, the, the bit we missed, though, when we were discussing that one, uh, that, that thing around, is that uh, uh, people may have remembered a while ago that Hertz placed a giant, massive order for Tesla Model 3s. And what was actually came out with this Uber announcement was that Hertz is doing a special deal in leasing those Model 3s to Uber drivers. So that is how they're getting their plan is to get more vehicles on the road. It's really about changing the ownership model. And that's something that uh, I think has been discussed before in New Zealand when we've seen hybrids come in and Ubers start up and so forth. Uh, so, yeah, it's an interesting one to see this come along. I would be happy to ride in a electric Uber. Um, uh, Gav, could be your next career for you. Oh, God. No, well, the problem is uh, I, I would do Uber. It's just I, I hate people. There are benefits, I believe, in New Zealand for Uber drivers who do run electric vehicles, aside from not having to pay for gas. Uh, and that is, I believe, Uber in New Zealand halves their commission, I think. Um, so the driver gets more. Um, so I guess that's the, the poor hybrid and petrol drivers subsidizing the, the, uh, the nasty electric vehicle drivers. Uh, as I'm sure an Uber or driver I'll speak to next week will tell me. Um, yeah, I like, it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously getting electric vehicles into these roles where they're doing lots of mileage, we go back to the vans, vehicles are doing lots of mileage, spending a lot of time in inner city inner city cities, is, is whether you believe in anything else, it's, it is good for air quality um, at the very least. And, oh, have uh, you ever, ever gone jogging or riding a bike or whatever past a line of cars waiting in traffic? It's awful. It's bloody awful. If someone was born with a respiratory system, yeah, more electric cars, the better. Just they stink, man. Something we don't talk about. We talk about carbon and pollution, but not the smell. Here's here's a question for here's a question for the panel and a question for people who are who are watching. So throw this one in the comments. Don't forget to put your road trip stuff in there as well. Uh, is uh, would you pay more for an electric Uber? Because there have been electric taxis, taxi options in New Zealand, electric transport options before in New Zealand. Some of them were premium, charge a little more. We're seeing with the uh, the new switch cars in Auckland, they're charging a little more. Uh, I think they charge like corporate car rates. Uh, are you willing to pay more for an electric taxi? Uh, so yeah, throw that one down. And we will move on to our last news item. And this one uh, comes with a video. I get 
don't need confidence The electric sea glider flies. Oh, the aquaplant is going. Yes, didn't look like it flew very far in that clip. Just saying. No, no. So, U.S. Aerospace Manufacturer Region has successfully flown its prototype sea glider, a zero emissions transport comprising a mix of aircraft, ferry, and hydrofoil, reportedly able to carry up to 100 passengers at high speed above the water between cities and towns, particularly harbour or shore-based cities such as Whangarei and Auckland and Wellington and Christchurch. The first flight demonstrates the viability of fully electric wing in ground effect craft and is a key step in the development of sea gliders, says Ocean Flyer, which is a New Zealand operation which is bought, ordered, something. Uh, adding the, the aircraft's adding that the ba- it backs its decision to go with the region after vetting multiple aviation options. Uh, Ocean Flyer Chief Executive Shah Azam says bold solutions like sea gliders are needed for New Zealand to be carbon neutral. By 2050. I believe there will be electric aviation. I don't think this is what. Um, I said right about now, that's about the last thing Air New Zealand lead on the run to New York, I would say. But, uh, <laughs> 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 ladies and gentlemen, I'm very sorry to say we run out of electricity somewhere between Rarotonga and uh, Hawaii. Look, I think what we're seeing at the moment. <laughs> I think what we're seeing at the moment is a lot of these companies popping up, taking a lot of investment, including the companies that order them in New Zealand uh, with a very slim chance of actually seeing things get off the ground. I mean, if for nothing else that I can't imagine you'd really be able to handle something like that in New Zealand waters. I I mean, I'm not sure I'd want to fly out of certain cities in New Zealand and weather on one of those. Sure, they might skim above the water, but there can be some pretty hefty waves off East Coast on a good day. <laughs> I was going to say, um, this is quite strictly, you know, Lake Taupo on a calm day for a couple of quick flights over the over the city and then back again um mm. bodies of water like that we don't see very often around here do we yeah yeah i do love the idea i, I love i wish it i wish it would work it's mm. like, it looks cool but whether or not i'd use it i don't know <laughs> well okay so just a, a thought why not put wheels onto it and have it running off an airstrip what's the, what's the big deal about it coming out of the about it being aquatic based well this is the thing and the I... ground effect doesn't it yeah, I, I, th- I think, guess the, the suppose the efficiency, the ground effect, and so on and so forth. I think the electric aviation we're going to see here sooner, other than we, we've got the Pipistrel down in Christchurch, which is a pretty cool cool aircraft, uh, is we've seen uh, the Sounds Air team have signed up to work with Hart Aviation, which is a, a Swedish company, which has developed uh, electric power units for regional aircraft. Uh, and I've watched a bit of video with that with through ABB and, and had a look at some of their stuff. And that actually looks like a real proposition. Hart Aerospace are actually, they have their own concept aircraft, which they have orders for. I suspect where we're going to see that come is, is Hart Aerospace partnering with one of the existing companies like, you know, 
the the guys who build the uh, ATRs or or someone like that to put their solution onto those other aircraft. And their power solution is really quite adaptable in that the battery, the the motor, everything is all in one nacelle and it charges off a CCS2 charger. Um, and that'll be great, I think, for the short hop ones, you know, like Soundsair, great airline for it. They they have lots of flights, but their flights aren't really that far as the ground as, as the crow flies. They can get up, cruise down pretty well and i think that's where we're going to see it start i'm sure the technology will go a lot further in the future i'm not sure we're going to see russian akrano plans coming back and uh and cruising around the uh, coast of new zealand anytime soon uh and i noticed that hearts hearts uh, in motors and their, their their systems are full size and being tested that was a very small radio control model and i don't think that boat that was following it was particularly close i think there was a bit of perspective going on there that perhaps was being missed but hey look cool that people are trying we've got to try all these things now speaking of speaking of trying given you and i have a bit of a, a similar habit we seem to like trying to get cars that shouldn't go very long distances to go very long distances I'm oh, not yes. necessarily talking about the Allegro. I'm talking about electric vehicle road trips. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, doing them. And I have to say I love, and I'm slightly addicted to, electric vehicle road trips. They're a slightly different way of getting around. Sli they are more challenging. They do take a little bit longer than a normal vehicle road trip, but there's some fun to it, some math to it. And even to the point where I've almost got, you know, Mr. McDonald down below, I've taken him on a couple now, and I almost feel like I've I've dragged you into this as well, haven't I? Ah, oh, very at first kicking and screaming, but I have to say, Richard, I'm not averse to the odd road trip now in an electric vehicle. You may have pulled me over cross into the dark side. <laughs> let's um let's just have a quick look at some of uh some of uh, Graham of Graham and I's adventures uh so and these are all available as or well, mostly available uh, as um uh videos on the evs and beyond youtube channel little plug there go head over there once you're done here uh one of this this is a really cool one we did we went and grabbed a Renault zoe that uh that uh someone in the live stream tonight who was working at Renault at the time uh, had driven down to Invercargill, and we drove it back we gave ourselves the challenge of not of trying to use as little of state home one as possible which meant going through the west coast and then up and through the top of the north south island then avoiding state one up the uh, up the north island and that included at the time dealing with the biggest ev gap in the country or ev charger gap about 260 kilometers uh through uh Haast and the lower west coast uh, here we mm -hmm. are down at bluff and the little Renault zoe uh here we are at the hokitika sandwich company so we completed the gap the gap uh it was uh it wasn't even particularly touch and go uh here we are in Greymouth? Greymouth. That's uh, a Greymouth, yep. Yep, on the ferry. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, Sneaky to back, to back to Bombay. Um, that was a that was a pretty fun trip, uh, Graham. Two big guys and a log, log, lot of luggage in a very small car. I think the South Island was fun. I think the, I think the North Island and time pressures made that one a bit of a slog. That was a grind that day. That was an absolute grind. Probably the only the only highlight was driving through a thunderstorm out of Rotorua, if you recall. Yes. And so we were driving in a, an electric vehicle in a very electrified atmosphere across over the Mamakus at about uh, half past nine, ten o'clock at night in the pouring rain. That was quite an experience. And as if you recall, we could barely see, let alone drive. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll give the little Zoe of, of top marks. It made it. And we made it to the Bombays with 
some range left to spare. So mm-hmm. we we did, we did pretty well. We did pretty well. Yeah, I think but, I think even know, they... we, we encountered some challenges along the way too. Let's not let's be honest. We encountered a number of challenges along the way, and I've never stopped for so much coffee and, and pies along the way <laughs> in my entire life on a road trip. <laughs> oh, it's time for a coffee. What that is, Wicked's <laughs> code word is, it's time for a coffee. What that actually means is we've got to sit there somewhere in charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that poor little uh, Zoe only does charge in the mm, low 40s, I think, if you were lucky. Um, uh, and, yeah, there, you know, that was before there were a huge number of, well, there's not still not many hyperchargers around. Bring on the hyperchargers, I say. They definitely make a difference to road trips. If you've oh, got a car yeah. that can reach between hyperchargers, it makes a massive difference. Uh so yeah, that was that was certainly a fun one. Um, the car was a bit stinky at the end, um, and a bit damp. And that was because of Richard's sweaty bum through calculating his way across the house pass. Although Brian fell down out, but he was convinced we weren't going to make it. And I'm, I swear, you could see the steam coming off him as he was frantically calculating whether we could actually make it to the top of the hill or not. So. That wasn't the actual scary. If you can recall, it wasn't the scary, but it was up over the uh, the rise um, as we were going between Murchison and Blenheim. I think that was the yeah Saint Anna Pass. And we came. Yeah, we that, were. That we were. We were well underwater, so to speak, on range. We um, we did yep. not have enough to get there, but then by the time we got there, we had enough. We had more than enough because it's just. Elevation, it's it's a bastard when it comes to electric vehicles, isn't it? It's it's, it's so yeah, mean. Yeah, I found that out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Tell mm. tell us more. Well, I got my hands somehow on the BMW iX M60, mm. and that I took on a bit of a long distance trek. And my goal was from here in Auckland to see if I could make it down to the chateau at the base of Mount Urupehu. And I did that drive yesterday. And I got there all in one charge. And I had a little bit left over as well. And that's the video I'm going to start editing tomorrow. So it should nice. be really interesting because that has a 112 kilowatt hour battery, just monstrous size. And yet only two and a half tons, only two and a half tons. But for yeah. a vehicle of that size, that's that's not bad. Considering the, because I, I recently took the uh, BMW i4 M50 down there. And that weighs two point four tons, and that's a far smaller vehicle than the uh, than uh, yep. what you were driving. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a cool vehicle. We took that to uh, to Rotorua, and yeah, not from or from Mangafai, and didn't even need to charge, and then plugged it in on the Tesla charges at the hotel, and didn't have to pay for charging. Just you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, our other uh, our other recent road trip, which you can uh, read about in uh, I think probably the July issue of EVs and Beyond. Uh, I can put it up on Facebook later. Was we drove a E Deliver Nine and uh, New Zealand's first electric Ute, the T sixty EV, which he a left hand drive Chinese prototype from Auckland to Wellington. Now this one was uh, slightly more challenging because the T sixty <laughs> didn't DC charge, and also it uh, didn't. Uh, it, it uh, didn't really properly work on AC. We were using a GBT adapter, and it was actually struggling to work out what it wanted from the charges, uh, or what it could take from the charges. So we were plugging it into 22 kilowatt charges, and it was taking three and a half kilowatt. And yet somehow we plugged it into a seven kilowatt charger on the last day after taking low rates on every other charger around the country, and then suddenly it charged 
fantastically. Uh, hmm. A bit confusing, but we have to clarify, this was a prototype vehicle, and Graham, we are not going to talk about what happened outside of Palmerston North because it's a prototype vehicle. <laughs> what goes on to it, Richard? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but the, you know, outside of that, I I did the numbers in that vehicle, and I this was where I made one of my mistakes on planning the trip. It can, That could go, with one person on board, admittedly, um, from Auckland to Turangi on a charge, um, which is pretty darn impressive, I think. I made the mistakes more than the Ute did, I suspect. It'll definitely make it to Taupo, no matter how you drive it. Uh, well, not how many, but, you know, with a reason, with a, with a, with reason, stuff on board. Yeah. Within reason. Um, and so, you know, it goes to the old thing. You can charge at Bombay on the hypercharger, charge at Taupo on the hypercharger. Uh, it just speeds up your trip dramatically. So that's the that's a really big thing the byd that's another car that can just just get charge at the at bombay up to near full get to the Taupo hypercharger and then get most of the way to wellington from there and we've got hyperchargers going in at bulls hyperchargers going in summer on the waikato if you've got a car that can use the hypercharger that you can get between them it makes such a difference to your road trips mm-hmm. so uh here the, here the vehicles are at the Tongariro Lodge. Uh, they've got two AC chargers there. Very good value place to stay if you've got two electric cars with you. Uh, and uh, here is the Eagle of a Nine while the Ute was still charging. Uh, checking out the source. Here's the Ute. Uh, we'd made it over the mountains to uh, Mangaweka. Um, yeah, so that's uh, so that was that one. But Graham, you rather enjoyed that trip and, and you were driving the van predominantly and it just chugged along. Yeah, it did. I'm sort of a, a, a former um, white van man out of the UK. I spent a, a year or so living in London driving vans and trucks for a living. So I was the quintessential transit van man in the morning, stopping off in my local for a sneaky baked beans and butty and a cup of tea. Um, and that sort of brought back great memories of cruising around at high speed, although admittedly not quite as high speed as a transit van will do in London. But um, it was actually a damn good van. And I quite bonded with the little thing. Well, big thing, actually. Um, and oh, the I, believe that one is, I believe that one is the bigger. It's, its model name is the Edel of a Nine Bigger. Bigger, that's right. Mm. Um, and the only place where I thought, ooh, this is not so clever, was going up Tranpish and Gully, because we went up Tranpish and Gully on the very day it opened. It had, it had opened at about, what was it, seven or eight in the morning. And I headed up over to the airport at about uh, four o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. And I remember a couple of those, particularly the, the really steep first hill, I was anxiously watching and thinking to myself, oh boy, this is my all the life of my range is being sucked out of this thing. But to its credit, it, it made it. And I made it to, to Wellington to the drop-off point with, with some range to spare. And I was really impressed by it. Okay, so here's the here's the sort of the, the, the kicker though. The tradies, we were running an empty van. It was just me and a very light bag, as we tend to pack on these sort of things, and, and, a, and a couple of flagpole banners in the back. And what I'd still like to know, whether it's this or it's the T60s, when you load it up with a traditional tradies lot, so tools, concrete mixer, ladder, a um, couple of guys in the back, um, the girl from accounts you picked up last night, put them all on the back of the U to the front of the cab and see how it actually performs then. Um, and I'm not saying it wouldn't, but I'd be curious to see how these commercial vans stack up in real world conditions for the average trade or average company. I guess the thing with that is that was a that wasn't the big battery version. That was a seventy-one kilowatt, I think, battery version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was 
Well, we weren't necessarily getting that because we were, you know, moving along and also we weren't charging, we weren't doing to 100%. I think we safely would say that vehicle could still get 200 open road. Um, and yep. that's with massive windage. I think, yeah, with a load on, the the, uh, the Ranger might be restricted, but I think Brown Town, I almost think like the weights, that what you're going to lose in the weights is going to be not similar to what you'd lose with the windage on the open road. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. After towing that yeah. caravan and the Polestar too, mm-hmm. the difference between 80 kilometres now, 85 and 90 kilometres an hour, is yeah. a good 25% increase in, uh, in power consumption, and that 10 k's an hour difference. The wind makes such a difference. Yeah. I actually yep. think that, that that e-deliver too is a, is nicer on the open road than the diesel ones, just because the lack of noise. Just having got that diesel rum, that rumble and that vibration. But uh, yeah, you you drive a Ranger, which are perfectly smooth, so maybe you didn't notice it. <laughs> what noise? <laughs> so, I can't hear so, you. <laughs> so in New in in New Zealand, road trips and EVs are actually relatively easy. We've got so much charging now from ChargeNet. It's growing every day. More hyperchargers. So on and so forth. Unless you're in a leaf, I'm sorry if you're in a leaf. That doesn't none of this really counts to you. Um, uh, in which case, you're a far stronger person than I to road trip on a leaf. Uh, at a metal bulb, I'm talking about you. Um, but uh, spare a thought for our Australian cousins. Now, this was a couple of years ago, admittedly, just before COVID, uh, and uh, I know they've got a lot more charging now. But uh, I did a road, an EV road trip in Australia. My wife and I grabbed a Tesla uh, Model S um out of uh of, of tesla uh, australia in melbourne and uh we did the great ocean road um now the challenge with that is that there is no dc charging well there was no dc charging anywhere along the entire loop from melbourne out to the great ocean road and along the great ocean road not a bean there's one dc there was one supercharger in geelong and that was it so we had to bob along on Tesla destination charges, and even then, they weren't particularly well looked after uh, or uh, or uh, maintained. So, for example, we had to we were able to charge at a brewery of all places. In fact, both of our charging stops, two of the three of our charging stops, were alcohol related. Um, this one was with it was well, a vineyard. That, this was at a vineyard yes. that was convert that was converting to a. Uh, a uh, brewery and uh, they had to move their bus bar a bus that was a bar and then get a broom out to scrape the spiders off this one there were spiders that would kill you living on the tesla charger uh so that was an interesting one um and then uh yeah that's it's be- the next the next uh charging stop was behind a uh, a uh, bottle store owned by the same brewery that would charge you quite a bit of money per hour to park uh, and use their charger. Um, but yeah, that's so spare a thought for the Australians. Even in Melbourne, um, I had was over there recently driving a Mercedes Benz EQC, and we went out to the like outer suburbs, the outer beach suburbs, to uh, go to some hot pools and have a burger. And I was a bit low on charge, and I thought oh, there'll be something out there. There was not. Um, you know, some of the richest, rich outer suburbs of Melbourne. And uh, yeah, it was a case of I had to crawl at about 50 kilometers an hour back through side streets to scrape my way to a charger uh, a little bit closer to Melbourne. It was, it, oh, I don't it was a fun that. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was that. Now, Gav, you must have some road trip stories. 
other than this, other oh, than the videos yeah. about the plug, I mean, did, when you had your IMEV in, or it wasn't your eye on, I think in in Europe, did you take it on in many road trips? Oh yeah, we. I. I. It's going to sound boastful, but I'm I'm the first person living in Slovakia to drive from the Austrian border across Slovakia into Ukraine and back again. Uh, and and of all the cars, it was with the Peugeot Ion or Mitsubishi IMEV in drag, uh, and I stopped and recharged, rapid charged sixteen times there and back. And so that's a lot of sitting around waiting. It didn't charge fast either. I think the, the peak you'd get is about 40, 43 kilowatts. So that was a long, long journey. Um, and then again, just going down to Ruopehu in this BMW reminded me of I took the same car in Slovakia skiing once. And we left at something like five in the morning. Didn't get ski, didn't get to the ski field until two, three in the afternoon. And had to stop a lot, and we had to double back at one point because we started driving and realized that popular. <laughs> not going to make it. So, but that was you know, that's uh, you know it's it's lunatic fringe I was on at the point. Uh, now driving cars like this BMW with its 112 kilowatt hour battery pack, I'm like, I much prefer this. There's just no more range anxiety. <laughs> I can get used to this. So, my, money yeah, my, my days all. of road trips on, on on cars that can only do city distances, I just don't have the heart anymore. <laughs> Money, I've money, the forbidden fruit. Money fixes many things. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of just... money, Richard, it's going to say you might recall. I think it was our 2015 road trip in the states, and we were in of all places in Elko, Nevada, and we'd stopped at um, as you do at a Denny's to refuel for a very late breakfast at Denny's. Um, say Elko is on the I. 90 corridor i70 corridor in the middle of absolutely nowhere the great nevada basin desert and there was a family turned up and they had a whole bank of tesla chargers outside of all the places to have it was outside of denny's and a family clearly obviously either from san francisco or somewhere very nice on the west coast had just turned up and their tesla was a model s to charge and if you recall the uh, the kids got out of the car looking like pretty much that point in time dad had just murdered them like properly murdered them. <laughs> he had brought them from the nice enclave of San Francisco, maybe Berkeley perhaps, and they were now in pretty much hell, or hell version two, which was Denny's in Elko. <laughs> Remember them sort of troopering through, looking as if they were going to get, you know, Ebola off the counter services any, any, any minute now. How dare dad stop because there was a charger in the middle of Elko, Nevada. How things have changed. Nothing, nothing wrong with the Denny's. Yeah, there's not <laughs> lumberjack slam all day man lumberjack slam all day got it gotta you know gotta love a meat lover skillet uh now let's uh let's plug a couple of your road trip videos that you posted recently uh gavin uh the first one being you've just uh taken a rental tesla from i did i did yeah that was uh that was an adventure i'd never that's the longest electric car go in one day i'd ever driven and it was from Wellington to Auckland in a Tesla. I'd never done that journey before. Like, like you've done it. Everyone else has done it. But, you know, as, as I said before, I'm about three years behind everyone else. Of course, I knew it was possible. I just didn't know how easy it was. Uh, and it turns out it was a real piece of cake. I mean, there was no waiting at all. Not, not one minute of waiting. I charged in Mangawika while I was eating breakfast, having a muffin, cup of coffee, going to the bathroom. I was there for about 20 minutes. Uh, and by the time I came out, the car was full. I realized I could have eaten faster, I could, I, but I didn't, I don't like Russian food. 
So um, I, I wasn't waiting at all. I needed to use the bathroom anyway because the coffee I had earlier in the morning was looking for an exit. And then I stopped in Taupo for, uh, I think, about five minutes to do a little spiel to camera and use the toilets there. And that's it. I came back in and I thought, oh, I'm just unplugging and going now. And that's it. I was none, none of the waiting, none of the, like I used to do in my little Peugeot, sitting around waiting for 30 minutes. Well, okay, what do I do now? Let's read the news again on my phone. None of that. I just, I just stopped for the normal time. I would stop being a human, going to the toilet, eating something, yeah. saying something to camera, that, you know. And that's on the Ecotristy YouTube channel? Yes. Yes, it is. Yep. So go, go watch that and then go jump over to the EVs and Beyond YouTube channel. I did the trip in reverse in an Audi e-tron. So uh, from 6th. Uh, out of Auckland, that was a bit of fun. I think slightly more charging required, uh, though that Etron was pretty impressive in that video on the fast on the hyperchargers at Telpo. Uh, and then uh, once they've done that, so jump from the Ecotristy channel to the EVs and Beyond channel, then jump over to Gavin's personal channel, which is Kiwi EV Adventures, and check out his road trip in something, Graham. You're going to be a little more akin to Dealing <laughs> Road. Oh, there she is. <laughs> oh, what a beauty. <laughs> Now, I'd, I'd just like to note that that is in what they call the Pantry, which is a little specialty sub-dealer of awesome classics uh, in at uh, as part of Butler Motor Company uh, down in Christchurch. Super cool guys down there at oh, Butler Motor Company. Uh, really lovely. They just absolutely adore cars. And uh, even... Even Allegro's. Look, even if you're even if you're an EV diehard, I think everyone can appreciate some, some vintage metal. Uh, that place oh, is yeah. worth checking out. It's... Oh, the it's smell when you so walk awesome. in there, eh? That, that, that old car smell is fantastic. It's like sitting on granddad's lap. So I'm guessing your road trip in the Allegro wasn't as easy as your road trip in the uh, Model 3. No, actually, it, it wasn't. Well, it was it was pretty painless. I mean, okay, granted, the, the heater didn't really work, didn't blow hot air anyway. There was some vague warmth coming from somewhere under the footwell, but I couldn't pinpoint it. Uh, and uh, it was noisy and slow and you know, a bit smelly, but... Uh, otherwise, it was fairly was painless. The, the car, car worked. Uh, no comment. The, uh, the the car worked remarkably well. Um, not well enough for me to have any concern about ripping the engine out of it. No way. It's it's only going to be an upgrade. Uh, but the car worked well enough that I think I could probably get a grand for selling that that motor afterwards. I think hopefully. Uh, but no, I'm looking forward to uh, converting that thing to electric. Uh, I've got my first parts. Uh, first parts arrived. I've got a, a inertia switch. If I have an accident, that'll cut the power. And today, my vacuum switch that'll help the uh, vacuum assisted brakes work. That arrived today. Uh, but yeah, these, the, the road trip was fun. Are these overnight no parts problems. from China, like we spoke about before? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah, power from the People's Republic of China because I care about the people. I'm all about the people. So. <laughs> Right, right. So look at how that worked out for them. <laughs> yeah, I think the Allegro is pretty much a communist car, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's British communism, really, isn't it? I mean, it's it was thrown together on a Friday afternoon from people who took time off from standing around a brazier. Yeah. Hey, quick, quick question. Where, uh, strike, lad. <laughs> yep. We're speaking of communist cars. Where is the lot of these days? Do you still own it, or is it you've sold it? No, all? no. Well, I had to when I left the USA. I had to sell everything. I had to leave oh. at a very short notice, unfortunately. Um, and I sold the car. I only lost two grand on it. I had to sell it fast. Um, I sold it back to the the Soviet Car Museum in Seattle. They sent a guy down with a trailer. Um, and he took it all the way back, and it's now back in the museum collection. And me putting ten thousand k's on it, driving across the USA, 
I had great ambition for the car, but uh, no, it's it's now back as a museum piece. So, uh, wow. oh well, I I guess it was just my turn. But I, I had I did have plans for that, but you know, uh, marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if the Soviet car museums had to shut their doors temporarily considering the political situation in relation to the Soviet <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've got in, yeah. in the cupboard my personalized plates. I bought personalized plates. Somehow they weren't taken in, in the state of Florida. And I, I got them just uh, just what, uh, a, a month or so before I had to get on the plane and leave. The license plate, Soviet and personalized <laughs> plates. It's like, it was perfect, but no, that's life. So at least I've got more. Right. Home and see how far it gets you. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it's for the best it didn't work out, driving a Russian car around the USA now. So... <laughs> Now, we're, we're going to start running through some comments as we start to wrap this up. So if you've got any last comments about your road trips or anything, any questions for, for any of us here, uh, then uh, please do uh, jump in, uh, though we seem to have covered most of it already. Uh, now, this is in regards to Ubers. Uh, Lee says, no, as a consumer, I want price parity with EVs on all fronts. Uh, so Lee, not willing to spend more for an electric uh, ride to the airport. Uh, David, no, should have to pay more for gas Uber. Um, now, Brian, talking about road trips, it was a pretty short road trip, but during the weekend, Mrs. F and I packed up Otis, the large dog, into the Edo and drove from Fakatane to Tekaha. Uh, he says the Edo handled it well, very comfortable, smooth, and effortless. I didn't throw it around the, pl around the plentiful corners, but it was very pleasant to handle. Uh, he said uh, anybody looking for a road trip should do the East Cape. In my opinion, the best roadie mm. in New Zealand. It is definitely something I'm thinking about. Have Graham, maybe we should go camping in an EQV in a couple of weeks' time. Just, you know, just saying. Just bring your deodorant, Richard. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> two, two smelly guys in an EV around the East Cape. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Anyone need an alcoholic? I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty of those. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, Mark Buckingham says, I spent a total of 44 minutes stopped between Auckland and Welly last week with the Model Y. I spend more time than that looking for a toilet on an Auckland to Wellington trip. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, would easily spend that on, on breakfast, dinner, lunch or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Danny So says, pick one, Model 3 or Model Y. Ooh, I know which one I would choose and it wouldn't be popular. I'd go the Model y. 3. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Simply because I like sedans. I've always liked sedans. It's purely aesthetic. There's no logical reason because the Model Y is better on paper, but I just like the looks of the sedan. I have a kid. It's got to be a Model Y. I got ah, too much stuff. right. Okay. The, the, the pram barely fits in the boot of a Model 3. Um, I mean, that's why. It's one of the reasons we really like the MGX. It had a big boot. The BYD similarly right. had a decent-sized boot on it. Not quite in Model Y stakes. That boot is massive. Oh yeah! Unbelievable! How they have a boot that big in a car that size, I do not know. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy. And uh, Mark Buckingham says, "I found towing 200 kg or 1500 kgs is about the same same economy. It's more aero. That's the issue." Hmm. Um, uh, Mark Buckingham, ha! Sorry, had both. Why wins? And Mark Buckingham does a heck of a lot of violence. He does. I don't know. Uh, Mark is the uh, tow bar king and he drives around the country basically installing tow bars on Teslas. Um, yeah. Uh, Brian, Model Y looks uh, like Lime, the hunchback of Ostrid. Uh... <laughs> anyway, it looks like the hunchback of Notre Dame. 
I was taken Graham? back the first time I saw one. Model, model, model Y or Model 3, Graham? Or neither? I was going to say, could I, could I cash it in and get the Mustang I want? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, no, okay, no, got to have an opinion, right? Um, I actually prefer the looks of the Model 3. Um, I'm just not really that sort of big, dumpy, hatchback kind of guy. It just doesn't really suit me. So the Model 3, it would have to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff uh, says, I managed to drive a 40-kilowatt Leaf from Reefton to Colverton, arrived with 29% having left Reefton with 94% state of charge, uh, drove 70 kilometres to Lewis Pass, then 80 kilometres to Colverton, taming range anxiety. Yes, uh, Brian says, uh, okay, like thee. Um, Fill in the gaps there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need more words, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's lightest anyway? So, so I've got a question for you two then, okay? So yep. I did a 950-kilometer round-trip road trip on Sunday. Left Auckland at half past 12 and got back to Auckland at half past 10 and did 950Ks um, in the course of that day. What would you recommend would do the trip? Ooh. If I had to do a journey like that again, and I do do journeys like that on, a, on an occasional basis, the, the reasons why are material, but let's just say that I want to go and do it again. But this time, I need to choose an EV. What would you suggest I have to look at? Well, if you well, have unlimited funds, the M60 I took, for example, that could do it. Mm -hmm. you'd, you'd have to charge. You'd have to do a, do a big oh, charge. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 So minimal um, minimal charging, minimal charging. Maybe maybe limit it to, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you a charging point in Oakuni. Okay, so I've made it to Oakuni. And then from I want to make it from Oakuni to Auckland at a reasonably rapid rate of knots across not just state highways, but secondary roads as well. What's going to do it? Well, no, on that trip, you'd probably, you'd probably, no matter what the car, you would probably top up and top on the way down and top up and top on the way back. Um, just because there's a hypercharger there. Uh, theoretically, yeah, you could charge at uh, Oakuni. There's a DC charger there, but it's a bit slower. It's not that bad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you go with the IX, you go with the, the, uh, um, the i4, the Tesla Model 3 long range would do that. Not, I'm not sure you can order, I think you can order one of them at the moment, but it might be a bit of a wait. Model S would do that. Um, mm -hmm. The e-trons are a bit heavy. You don't necessarily have the range for that at the moment. Um, that trip, you'd actually do pretty darn well on a Kona. A Kona would do that trip without too much hassle. That, mm -hmm. that easily does well over 400 kilometers, so you're really talking one big charge or two smaller charges um probably not a lit not a lot cheaper cars than a kona um ionic 5 or kia ev6 with the 72 kilowatt battery they'd do it really easily and they're not oh out of this world expensive cars um mm -hmm. yeah they're not the kind of things necessarily you drive yet i don't know but uh yeah we look no one's saying they're perfect as we said at the start we think that uh, evs are a bit of a adventure, I think, for doing a lot. Well, not an adventure, but you know, a little bit of a challenge, a little bit of math for now. For now, doing a road but trip. For that's now. changed. I mean, look, look at the last ten years. How far things have come in ten years. Mm. It's, it's, it's it, was, it wasn't a trick question for you either. No. It was your genuine question. It, and it, Richard, it, I can it, see it, an opportunity for a future road trip to an extent <laughs> on this. Talk to me. Watch the space. Well, well, well here's, here's a question: Is how much was your gas bill for that trip? 
I don't know. I just put diesel onto it. <laughs> well, how, how many <laughs> I mean, comes from the sky so from like, the diesel? Like, okay, all right, all right. So this 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 is this is this is the mathematics for you. So it was a Volkswagen. God help me. It was a Volkswagen Tiguan two liter diesel thing that I traded. And pretty, pretty miserly cars. Yep. Yeah, yeah, not too, not too bad. And and I came the absolute snot out of it. Um, I topped off the tank in Auckland, and I put about another seventy bucks into it in Hamilton. Not because we needed to, because I just wanted to have a bit of a fail-safe buffer. Um, so yeah, so it did nine hundred and fifty k's. What's the tank capacity in those things? I think I filled it up. It was a hundred and. 30 i think it was to fill 120 to fill i think it was from from empty in auckland um and yeah plus plus road user charges but but don't forget there's a bit of a switch there because the evs are currently not paying road user the diesel is still paying a portion of that um but the the kicker here was apart from a coffee in um Taupari, like and, and i'm talking a five minute coffee in Taupari at uh two in the morning drove all the way through to Oakuni, had breakfast in Oakuni, mm. and then back on the road. And once we left Oakuni at half past 10, we did not stop. Well, we had stops, but there were no points, no ability to, to charge. So the question would be, could we do the journey that I did in an EV, with the important thing being Oakuni to Auckland without charging and at a, at a fast rate of knots, like no time to think about economy, the go. The answer is is maybe, but unlikely. I suspect. Um, mm. I, I think you'd be you'd be you'd be pushing it, but then I think that's an extreme example, um, and all you'd have to do to do it would be literally a ten minute stop in Talbot, maybe fifteen okay. minutes. Um, so we have a challenge one day, Richard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I guess if I go through the, if I try, what my point was with the, your, your, the, the comment around fuel, is that you used $190 worth of fuel. Of fuel. I would keep road charge, user charge out of it because eventually EVs will have to pay road user charges. And we'll say $100 worth of fuel. But about 150 just, we didn't need to. We didn't need to fill up. But my point was, I had a quarter tank left in Hamilton. So. I didn't need to put any more diesel into it, but that was just a fail-safe in case. Okay. So let's so just we, say you use the tank, 130 bucks worth. Yeah. So if I if I look at by the time I had that same mileage in the Addo 3 on my recent road trip, my mm -hmm. uh, total fuel buy by about that point of the trip was about $35 by the 900 mm -hmm. it came out. Yeah. So I guess that's a, that's that shows the, the, the difference in there. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. look, I'll say you're probably going to struggle to get that far out of them but i think you'll get there eventually or what well, will you i mean that's the thing I, I don't know whether they will push range on evs that much further i think more now the focus is going to be about getting faster charging and uh bringing down the price of the vehicles rather than outright range i think outright range is going to be a bit of a thing left for some of the some of the outliers you look at tesla tesla have really long range evs their best selling one is their shortest range ev um yeah that's uh yeah it's Horses for courses, I guess. Now we'll finish up the last few comments. Um, Flanagan says hunchback, etc. He said Brian says an Aptera might do the distance. Ooh. It would, but yeah. At what cost? I, I don't think the Aptera. <laughs> is, I don't think the Aptera is never going to be no matter what people think a fully fledged production car. It will be out there as a niche low volume vehicle for enthusiasts i don't think it'll be a production car but that's but like a full factory production car but that's my opinion 
Gav, no, you think, I, you I think it'll make it? I agree. Yeah. 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 It's very cool. It's very cool. And I love the idea. I'd like to drive one, but yeah. I think it's yeah. I think it's less vaporware than some of the other cars out there. You know, there's things like that solar powered car that really was just a hacked up BMW i3 they keep on raising funding for in Europe. Um, all sorts of other stuff like that. It's I think the Aptera is very real, uh, but uh, not something I would imagine we'll see here doing road trips anytime soon. Awesome. Look, I think we'll call it there. For some reason, the viewers have risen up towards the end, even though we started really early. I guess people had to put the kids to bed or something like that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you uh, haven't caught at the start, don't forget if you're on YouTube, particularly, I think, leaving live, you can go all the way back to the start and uh, find uh, Graham's moments where he tried to trap us EV, own, EV drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, look, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thank you to uh, Gavin Schubert from uh, Ecotricity and Kiwi EV Adventures. Go check out his YouTube channels. And uh, Graham McDonald, uh, who, uh, you know, look, if someone still wants a hybrid or maybe you might have the old plug-in around the place, uh, they can visit you at, uh, at Croydon Wholesalers most I'm of the not, week. I'm, I'm not a complete talking. heathen, you know, Richard. I'm not a complete heathen. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, Graham has done a lot for electrification in New Zealand from his VIA standpoint, but also he does sell a lot of hybrids, and I don't care what you think, hybrids are a decent stepping stone, and a lot of people who buy a hybrid might go and buy an electric vehicle next time. He sells an awful lot of those. Yep. He's a good man. It's all about progression. Exactly, exactly. So thank you, everyone, and we will catch you this time next week. <laughs>